Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports station presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Thanks for joining us this morning with Bruce Levine. I am David Haw here until 11 o'clock talking White Sox, talking Cubs, talking Chicago baseball on this Memorial Day weekend. Hope you make it a great one. It is a fascinating one in terms of where the Sox and Cubs are here in Chicago because the Sox have a doubleheader they will play later today, and the Cubs will take on the Reds again, Bruce. And back on the mound, Zach Davies, who has had an outstanding month of May when he has rebounded from some adversity and his ERA is under two. He faces Luis Castillo, and I think this is going to be a good matchup for the Cubs. Castillo has struggled this season more than anybody expected. And Davies is a hot pitcher, but the Cubs have several of those hot pitchers in their rotation right now. It's nice to see Davies come along, you know, a lot of pressure on him. Uh, He won't admit to it, but when you're traded to a team still expected to win, like the Chicago Cubs, trading arguably the top, what what would you call Darvish, top three or four pitcher in baseball, you know, going into this off season. Last year? Expectations wise. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, top Definitely. two or three, and yep. uh, and the, the expectations of leaving that, you know, taking that three-year contract commitment still to the Cubs, going elsewhere, and uh, Cub fans waiting to see what replaces it. It's a lot of pressure on, on Zach Davies. He's a veteran. He's had a good career. He's certainly not the not the dominant pitcher, nor will he ever be uh, like Darvish, but he might be a more consistent pitcher over the last four or five years. Uh, than Darvish has been. And uh, that, I think, is what they were concentrating on. Uh, Certainly, uh, uh, that is uh, hopefully uh, what they're getting right now and what you're watching. Coming off a 1-0 victory on Friday, I love 1-0 games, Bruce, because they're they're quick games, but also David Bodie hits the home run into the wind did not expect to see that. I love the way that he sprinted out of the box thinking he had to get to uh, get a triple, and he was thinking that way. Then all of a sudden, he looks up, the umpire signaling home run, and he's, and he's got the only run of the game. Adbert Alzali was outstanding. He continues to take steps. He surpassed a 100-pitch plateau. I thought that was a big step for him to take because, Bruce, the way that he has command, confidence, he had, and now consistency, he looks like he could be an impact guy moving forward. You're talking about Bodie? Alzali. Alzali. Alzali, I'm sorry. Bodie already um, is an impact guy. I think Alzali is on his way to becoming one. 
Alzali is the pitching hopeful of the future uh, for the Chicago Cubs. He is the rotation, quote-unquote, ace of the future that hmm. could be making his way there right now and as early as 2023 just by the quality of what he takes out there stuff-wise and now confidence-wise. We saw the great storyline of Jake Arrieta coming back to the Cubs in spring training and taking this young pitcher under his wing and uh, talking baseball, but more importantly, uh, relaying how to be a confident pitcher, believe in your stuff. When I tell you you're breaking balls as good as anybody's, it is. Uh, those things really resonate. Pitching coaches are great. Tommy Hadovy is fantastic. When you get it from a, a former Cy Young Award winner and a guy that's as accomplished as Jake Arrieta, those things are impactful. And I think that had an awful lot of impact on Alzelay, who's always had good stuff, but misfortune of a lot of injuries during his uh, young career. Never more than, I believe, 130 innings in a season. So um, as we watch this, uh, we're also watching with a little bit of uh, when are they going to uh, start skipping him in starts? Is there a drop-dead period of innings for him as he approaches uh, mid-August or uh, well, early September? Uh, can because you afford of the fact that, Bruce? I mean, that, that, again, that goes afforded, back to the uh, big... Afforded in our minds of uh, wanting to be uh, well, satiated right away with a see, uh, winning pitcher but, on the mound? Is that just today's baseball? Because, okay, again, every every conversation we have about uh, progress is sort of cloaked in this idea. Well, you know what? If they if they become too good, then they're going to have to. They can't trade everybody like they want to trade everybody, and then they're going to have to shut down this pitcher just when they're in the mix. <laughs> I just right. Do, right. Are are they going to get to the point where Alzali means that they're using him? They're giving him a little bit more uh, rope, and he's going deeper into games. But is it going to be at the cost of having to shut him down later? Because that would almost would that be counterproductive? Yeah, I think I think I think they will, or they can be the creative people uh, that they are. And the way that um, the White Sox have done it over the years is um, to skip starts, you know, and give ten day breaks for pitchers, and uh, to do it that way. Uh, okay. Now, in your mind, as a fan and as a reporter, can the what's can the Cubs afford to do that with a pitcher like Elzelay? It's a good question, and, and it's a fun thing to, to monitor and to watch because the Cubs are, are on the verge of having a pretty good season. They may think it's a special season. One of the biggest reasons, the bullpen. One of the biggest guys down in the bullpen, Ryan Tapera, and he joins us now on the Alpamani Nissan hotline, Alpamani Nissan in Melrose Park or APNissan.com. Good morning, Ryan. Thanks for joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning. Thanks for having me. I uh, I started with you yesterday in the Zoom, or I think it was yesterday. We on yesterday or day before? Yesterday, right? Ryan. Hello. Sorry. I'm yeah. Go ahead, Bruce. Uh, well, okay. can you, can you hear us? Okay. Yeah, I'm good now. Okay. Good. Uh, so, it's I I asked about you know what's going on in that bullpen, and it's been a great thing, and. You, as a uh, typical veteran and uh, baseball player, did not want to talk about this long streak. And we, we certainly understand it. But I, I was able to get the idea that you and Chafin uh, have a little side bet going uh, on what's going on. So you I, you guys are having a lot of fun with the success, aren't you? 
Yeah, you know, it's been a it's been a fun time with uh, the role we're on. Uh, yeah, Chafin and I just have like a little friendly competition going on with as many games as we've pitched in. But, you know, that's part of being in the bullpen and, and getting on that good role. I think we have a good mix of uh, veteran guys and, and a mix with some young guys that have come in and, and really stepped up and some done some big things. Ryan, you've done a nice job of getting out of jams, and they have been – kind of high wire acts at times and how would you describe your mentality when you get on the mound and you're called upon to come in and and everything about a reliever is getting the team out of danger out of harm's way and and what's your mindset like last weekend or the last time you, you took the mound with the bases loaded and having to get out of a jam you know uh i think it's just a matter of staying kind of calm cool and collective uh not letting the moment get too big and um, you know, the last thing that you want to do is, is overthrow. And I think sometimes in my past experiences, uh, I've been in those situations where I've gotten too hyped up and, and kind of overthrown some pitches and, and that's really gotten me in trouble. And, and lately I think that, uh, you know, I've kind of just made an adjustment and this comes along with experience, I think, um, you know, and it's something that you can't really teach, but, uh, just kind of calming yourself down, taking a deep breath, taking your time with, from pitch to pitch and, and, you know, not overthrowing was the biggest thing, I think. Taking that a step further, and by the way, Ryan Tapura, our guest on Inside the Clubhouse, taking that a step further, Ryan, um, I guess the mentality of any good relief pitcher is, and uh, guys like Steele and Thompson have to learn this, is you're going to have bad days and, and you're not going to get it done 100% of the time, but don't overreact emotionally either way. Right. And, you know, you know, that's part of being in the bullpen also is, you know, you show up to the next day at the field and you got a chance to pitch again. So you got to have kind of a short memory and forget those bad outings and just move on. You know, Ryan, we hear a lot about the Cubs pitching lab and what it does for relievers. And we have seen examples of guys who have been, I don't want to say fixed, but certainly improved. What role has it played in your development and how would you describe its role in a Cub organization? Yeah, I think they do a great job of uh, using the high-speed cameras and, you know, the rap soto information of just kind of tweaking your grip or uh, tweaking whatever it may be. And, uh, you know, working with Tommy and CY and Borzy, they, they've done a good job of just kind of analyzing that and, and making us better. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, Ryan, when you um, got here, I I don't know if they were still dancing in the bullpen uh, after home runs, but that was a big thing with the uh, Cubs bullpen a few years back. Do you guys have your own thing that you do as a group? Uh, I know there's there's a different camaraderie between bullpen people and the rest of the team. It's almost always there for a group that's either uh, meshing together or have been together for a while. Do you guys have your own thing? Yeah, I was a part of it last year a little bit. Uh, there's a couple times we kind of danced around in the bullpen. Um, you know, we haven't really done it this year, but between us and the bullpen, we kind of have this little game where we, we toss a hat when we think one of our guys is going to hit a home run, and uh, we kind of keep track of that. So that's kind of a little fun game we play. How much pride do you guys take in the fact that guys like Bruce and I are, are surprised 
at the fact that the Cubs bullpen has become a strength. We went into the season, and, and frankly, Ryan, you, you probably were aware of it. There wasn't a lot of confidence in the Cubs bullpen for whatever reason. There was just a lot of uncertainty, and yet you guys have answered the question emphatically that this is a group that you can trust. How much pride do you take in that? You know, it's very pleasing, um, especially after, uh, you know, personally for like an offseason that I had, uh, you know, struggling to kind of find a job and had to wait through halfway through spring training to, to re-sign. Um, you know, you look at the guys in the bullpen and, the, and we're on the uh, the older side, you know, in baseball terms. And I, I think it's kind of cool to kind of see how we've kind of stepped up and, you know, we have a good mix of, uh, you know, different repertoires in that bullpen that can really, you know, get people out in, in, in different ways. And, you know, that's kind of what makes it fun. We're all kind of like, you know, the older side, and, and we enjoy that part, and we joke about it, and, and we have fun with it. Ryan Tapera joining us on Inside the Clubhouse for just a few more minutes uh, today, uh, and David Haw and Bruce Levine every Saturday from 9 to 11, 52 weeks out of the year. Ryan, uh, when it comes to Craig Kimbrell, what example does he set for everyone else? What do you look at? Uh, with him and uh, how impressed were you by the way that uh, you saw one of a guy that's probably on the hall on the way to the hall of fame last year uh, struggle and then man up and just take take another another role not a closer and do that very well to to make his comeback yeah hats off to craig really um it was probably the first time in his career he's ever struggled like that and just shows that anybody can go through that kind of stretch and you know being a part of that and seeing that and and knowing that he is a hall of famer it was was kind of cool to see and and how he's kind of adjusted and you know his work ethic is unbelievable that's kind of what i take away from you know day in and day out you know he's he's broken so many records already and his numbers are ridiculous but you know, each day he comes in and he's in the weight room, he's getting his work done, and, and that's what it takes, you know. It, he's a hard worker. And it's kind of fun to be uh, a part of it the last, you know, year and a half or whatever it is. Um, but hats off to him. Ryan, hats off indeed. Yesterday he had – Craig Kimbrell had to take his hat off and change it, it appeared, because of what Joe West had to say and the, yeah. the thing going on in baseball with the foreign substance conversation. He, Joe West kind of created and – and amplified with the, the Cardinals uh, earlier this week in Chicago. Um, are you guys all kind of monitoring what's on your hats, and do you have to be a little bit more uh, careful uh, after what happened this week? Uh, I mean, yes and no. Uh, you know, I can't really comment a whole lot on that. You know, I think that's just a, a touchy subject right now, and the MLB is kind of investigating a lot, and – you know, to me, I think that something needs to be done as far as the baseball. Uh, there's times that you come into a game and the ball can be very slippery and chalky. And, you know, if you don't have a good grip on the ball, we don't know where it's going. And, you know, guys are throwing very hard, very, very hard nowadays. And, you know, I think as a hitter, they would like to, to know that the pitcher has somewhat of some control. Um, so that's what I'll say about that. <laughs> Ryan, uh, David and I really appreciate you joining us. My last question for you is this. Has it been a pro or a con or, or a non-entity uh, over the last a year and a half, well, oh, just about a year now, that media is not in the locker room and that uh, Zoom has been the way 
to get the um, uh, interviews done? Is it does it lead to more uh, relaxed situation for players yourself? I know you can only speak for you. Uh, is any of that up and uh, back conversation missed? What what are your thoughts on that subject? Uh, I still find it weird talking on the Zoom Zoom calls because I'm always staring at the screen instead of the camera, so <laughs> I'm sure I kind of look awkward. But, uh, you know, it is kind of different uh, not having, you know, the reporters and stuff in the clubhouse. And uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think that you can kind of uh, – you, you can be yourself more. Um, you don't have to watch your back and, and kind of be a team together after the games and enjoy the win. Um, you know, a lot of times afterwards you have the reporters just kind of lingering around and stuff, but you know, it's a little different, but it is what it is. You know, Ryan, we heard earlier this week from Chris Bryan and we've heard the constant theme from, from Anthony Rizzo just about, let's face it. You guys are, are, except for the Padres, we're the best team in the national league in the month of May and maybe exceeding some expectations. And they both alluded to this chip on the shoulder of this team wanting to prove Thing, some people wrong and some of those people in the front office and it, how it brought some people together. Now that happens all the time in clubhouses and locker rooms throughout sports, but is this Cub team in your mind the latest example of a team banding together around a common cause, even if that cause might have been created internally in the front office? Yeah, I think it's just kind of carrying over from the previous years and me being part of the team last year, you know, as making the playoffs, we we were ready to go on a run, and you know it just so happened it didn't work out. We ran into the Marlins, but I think it's still the same mentality of you know and the same core group of guys that uh, you know went to the World Series and won the World Series, and um, you know and added some key pieces here. I think that that's still the mentality of you know we have a good team here and and we're ready to go on a roll. We appreciate it very much, Ryan. Thanks for taking the time out today. Uh, continued best of luck to you and the other guys and hopefully we're going to be able to see you face to face pretty soon i don't know if that's good for (laughs) you or not but it's a reality and we're happy to be able to get back and just talk one-on-one have a great day okay thanks ryan thanks for having me all right take care ryan tapera the cubs fine relief pitchers in the midst of a pretty good year bruce that bullpen 38 scoreless innings 12 games that's a span of being really unhittable very, without an earned run, that's a great stretch the run, and he's a big part of that. Absolutely. And uh, we, we have more conversation coming up. A doubleheader on the south side of Chicago. Uh, the manager of the Baltimore Orioles, who um, I don't know why he said yes to an interview with where he's at right now, but he did. Uh, our old friend Brandon Hyde from the, his Cub days will be joining us when we come back. Inside the clubhouse here at Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 the score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Mercedes unloads. A close line for a lead. Do not blink. Told you, the ball goes in the air. It's going out of the ballpark, and that's probably one of those 3-0 pitches you really like to see. I mean, uh, how good did you hit that ball for that home run? Pretty good. Pretty all calm. Uh, I got it. Um, I'm pretty pretty good. Um, good swing. I'm stay on it. Stay on it on the ball. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score, 670thescore.com. David Hall with Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock. Thank you to NBC Sports Chicago for that highlight from Jason Benetti and Steve Stone. And your mean Mercedes was the voice you heard last talking about his home run on Thursday night, Bruce. And before we talk to Orioles manager Brandon Hyde, um, looking back at that 3-0 pitch, that was one where your mean had the green light and made the most of it. He was 6 for 20, I think 3 for 20, Nine since the last time he swung at a 3-0 pitch, a six for 29. He was in a slump. He broke out of that slump. And you're making wasn't his is, fault. Is he back now, Bruce? Is it wasn't he back? his fault, David. What, the, the slump? No, it wasn't. Somebody okay. yelled at him, and uh, he, he, he went into a slump. Okay? He did. He was in a funk. He's a fun guy. He wasn't having any fun. It's no fun going into – you know, a, a six for twenty nine funk, but he is, he is a guy who's been one of the most pleasant surprises in baseball up to this point. Here we are, Memorial Day weekend. When you look at the White Sox, two game lead in first place in their division, where would they be without your mean Mercedes? I, I think it's the it's really the best story in baseball this year. It really is because uh, you have this journeyman guy who's just happening to hang around after ten years of independent ball and finding his way into the White Sox organization, a guy that really doesn't have a position, a, a catcher by trade, but maybe not the greatest, a position player, no. But uh, just a uh, what we're finding out, a guy that goes up there and slashes away and gets the job done one way or another, regardless of uh, what anybody thinks or what baseball history tells you should be happening. Uh, you mean Mercedes should not be happening, right? There's no, right. there's no rhyme or reason uh, for it other than the fact that that's the beauty of sports, and in particular baseball here, that a guy like this can come around and not only make a team, but have a huge impact on a team that needed badly, badly needed an, uh, another offensive player to replace uh, Eloy Jimenez and eventually Robert, who's out for most of the season. And it, it's, a, it's a great story. Uh, you can't, he cannot be comeback player of the year, David, because he's not coming back from anywhere. <laughs> is, but, <laughs> he can't he win that award. But could it be technically he, he's, he, he can a be rookie, rookie of the year, year yeah. candidate? You know, it, it underscores MVP. Bruce. Yeah, well, okay, let's not get carried away there. Now, let's put the coffee down, Bruce. That's a little over-caffeinated. Lead, lead leaguer, you know, lead leader in hitting. It underscores coffee. the unpredictability 
of, of sports, but baseball especially. And, and that's why I think a lot of these conversations tend to go toward, well, okay, what if happens when Aloy comes back? And then what do you do with Andrew Vaughn? And then you got Jose Abreu at first, and who's your designated hit? I think you just need to slow down and enjoy what yeah. this is while call, you call have it. therapist. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, all these things you worry about that are uh, in, in right. the distant, you know, that you have no control over. It's just been a great story. It's been it's been fun. Even the drama between him and Larusa has been exciting. Where he's told, uh, yeah, you have to do it this way, and uh, you know we're going to uh, you know send you to your room without your uh, food uh, for half a day if you don't. And he goes, I don't care. I'm coming back. I'm going to be the same guy. And to everyone's credit, he's not punished. I mean, if he's punished, it's internally. Yeah, he continues. He's never benched over anything like this. He went through a slump like every player is going to go through a slump, and now he's battled his way out of it. What I like about Mercedes is that here you have somebody who must be so eager to make the point that he belongs, and every bet has to be magnified, and with that thought in the back of his mind, if not the front, and yet the patience and discipline he shows and how good of a hitter he becomes with two strikes – he is not one of these guys that just goes up and it's boom or bust, swing for the fences, or you don't get on. It's going to be, you know, either a strikeout or a home run. This is somebody that has become a polished hitter, Bruce. And seldom, you, you correct me if I'm wrong because you've been around longer than I have, but seldom do you see a guy wait this Stop long for his it. opportunity and be as patient with it once he gets it. You're, you're right. Uh, the thing that you look at is the approach. And I think that's what you're pointing out to, David. Yeah. You look in his eyes. He's not trying to hit a home run every time up. The other day, guy threw him inside and he hit a line drive 116 miles an hour. Luckily, it hit a seat and not a patron. That was, you're not going to hit a ball much harder than that. Very few balls get close to 120 miles per hour. Uh, But most of the time, you'll see him battling on two strikes and hitting the ball up the middle or the other way. And it's like, how are we going to approach that, this guy? And when, uh, you know, when, when uh, Brandon Hyde, the manager of the Orioles, uh, comes on our show in a few minutes, we're going to ask him about guys like this and how, how they show up and uh, how do you get them out? Yeah, the White Sox play the Orioles in a doubleheader scheduled to begin this afternoon at Guaranteed Rate Field. Dallas Keuchel against Matt Harvey is the matchup. The Sox early lineup, according to what's on on the website has your mean Mercedes batting fifth, Bruce behind Jose Abreu. Yasmani Grandal in the two hole behind Tim Anderson, who's back leading off. That's good to see. But Grandal hitting a robust 141 is, is hitting second. And maybe the uh, the Orioles will find a way to deal with this White Sox lineup. That is the challenge ahead of Matt Harvey. And his manager joins us now, Brandon Hyde, joins us on the Alpamani Nissan hotline, Alpamani Nissan in Melrose Park or AP nissan.com good morning brandon thank you for joining us hey good morning thanks for having me on brandon uh great to to know that you're back in town happy that uh you know uh we're almost all ready to see each other in person and it's great that you <laughs> did this interview with us today i was saying to, to to david and i even posted it on social media on twitter not too many people are willing to do interviews uh, going through what you guys are going through right now. But uh, that's, uh, unfortunately, right now, that's where you guys are at. And, uh, you know, yep. you're the, the professional man that shows up every day. How how tough is it to keep everybody motivated on the streak? 
Um, yeah, no, this is, it's, it's not easy right now. There's no doubt about it. It's, um, you know, it's our third year. We're taking our lumps. We play a, you know, a really tough schedule. We've, we've already played the Yankees and Red Sox 20 times. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a, it's a major challenge to be honest with you, uh, at this level with uh, a lot of inexperience on our team. Uh, we got off to a decent start. We're playing around 500. Uh, we probably there's some games we should have won in there also. And then and then we now for about a week and a half, two weeks, we've just we've been on the wrong side of uh, of games um, in almost every single game. And something kind of happened either middle or late in the game that or a pitch away or uh, you know a, a, a big hit away from the game being on, on, you know different and. Yeah, so you just kind of stay motivated. You got to stay positive with the guys. You got to be honest, also. Um, and I feel like we're we're handling it well. We just we got to try to try to get a W here here at some point. You know, Brandon, for a young guy, uh, you've been through a lot of baseball because you were part of the whole transformation process with the Cubs, being on the bench in thirteen and fourteen and fifteen, and seeing the way that the philosophy that had to be that every organization needs that was followed. And it was painful at times, but then you were also there when it when it culminated in a in a championship, and you were there in 2016. And how often do you reference whether it's in a quiet moment when you're dealing with you know what what's in front of you, or with the, your team in the clubhouse when you're talking to them individually or collectively? How often do you reference that experience in Chicago, giving you hope for what's ahead in Baltimore? No, I do a lot. I mean, I, I you know. I was fortunate to come, you know, Theo and Jed and, and, and Jay Mack hired me in, in 12 to be the minor league field coordinator, then the farm director in 13. So I was there when we started there in 2012, and I understand exactly how tough 12, 13, 14 was. Um, and I was on the bench with Ricky Renteria on 14. Um, so the first three years there, that there was a lot of tough nights. And, you know, it was around the front office guys a lot. Um, and so I totally understand kind of this process. You know, what's amazing with, the, with what they did was how fast. I mean, I don't think people realize still to this day, you know, it was a three-year rebuild, and all of a sudden, 2015, we're in the championship series. Um, just how fast our young guys got good, how the trades that, that Theo and Jed made, they nailed almost every one, the international signs. Um just how fast that they they turned that they turned the Cubs around was amazing, and so to be right in the middle of that that was, uh, was a special moment in my career and see how fast we got good. Uh, but there was a lot of tough nights those first three years, and um, you know we we've, we've been dealing with that now for for three years here. Um, last year was obviously a different year, and we actually we competed last year. We played well in that shortened season. We were five hundred two thirds of the way into the sixty game season. Um just really happy with how hard we played and how competitive we were against AL East and NL East teams. Um and then this year we're just off to a little bit of a rough start. Hopefully we can turn it around and, and start playing better baseball the last four months. Brandon Hyde, the manager of the Baltimore Orioles joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. And uh Brandon, uh is there any way for you in your own mind's eye as a baseball man for a long time to figure out why these soft tissue injuries are occurring all over baseball. Are, are, are the athletes in great shape? Are they built to be in the Olympics, but not to uh, do the short uh, 
start and stop and quick twitch things mm-hmm. that baseball has to do. Is is this something that Major League Baseball should be putting a lot of their own time into to make sure that their players can stay on the field and that by the end of this year, uh, there, there are teams that have enough players to go around. Yeah. The, the, the amount of injuries this year is, is, um, it's tough to watch and it's tough. And, and, you know, that was one thing that a lot of us talked about actually in spring training was when everybody was talking about limiting pitchers and, and what's the, what are pitching, what's the pitching going to look like with having guys come off of, you know, a really shortened season, innings limits, all these things that we're talking about pitchers. But a lot of us were talking about position players because, um, you know, they, the training, everything was, was, was different last year. And, and they got, they got their cut season cut cut shorter also. And, um, what was that going to look like? You know, I don't, I'm not, a, my specialty isn't sports science and, um, you know, training athletes. I, I do think that baseball players train differently now. And, if that leads to more soft tissue stuff, um, then maybe. But you know, I also think that the the ten day DL helps getting guys helps helps put guys on the DL that maybe you wouldn't have done before with a fifteen day DL, um, right. because you can get them back quicker. Also, so maybe if a guy's going to be out seven days, then maybe in the you know ten years ago you wouldn't have put them on the fifteen, but now you do. So maybe you're seeing more of that type of injury also. But I, I, I think it's a lot of things, Bruce. And, and um, athletes do train differently now. I'm not an expert enough to know if it's right or wrong. Um, but the amount of hamstring, quad, oblique stuff that we're seeing is, is definitely troubling. Brandon, I don't know if it was Mike Schilt, the Cardinals manager, or Joe West the other day, but both of them collectively <laughs> opened up Pandora's box in terms mm-hmm. of when when Joe West made uh, the Cards reliever Gallegos change his hat. And we saw it yesterday with the Cubs and Craig Kimbrell doing the same thing voluntarily, it seems. But it, it seems like it gave managers one more thing to address publicly and maybe even privately. How did you view that, and how did you address it with your own team? Yeah, it was surprising to see. Um, I haven't, you know, I haven't addressed it with my team. I think that our guys are aware and see, and um, it's you know it, it's it's a it's a very very touchy subject, and I think since that, then there's been a lot of things written about that obviously put a, a light on on the ball and the tackiness of the ball, and why uh, why we do need the ball to be a little t- more tacky and etc. Um, yeah, I don't know what the answer to that is either to be honest with you, because mm-hmm. there's, there's things that go unseen, unheard. Um, you just kind of don't talk about, but you, you know, that, that it, things go on throughout this game that, um, that have kind of just been let go. And, you know, for whatever reason that it wasn't let go, um, you know, the other day with, with St. Louis, and I don't know the reason why, um, but, it's just a little bit right now. It's kind of part of our game, and I hope that it doesn't take away from our game. I mean, these type of instances for me like take away from our game the beauty of our game, and I think that's why Schilt was upset also because it's just like 
this right now. We have all these other things going on, and this is kind of where our focus is. is let's try to focus on on how good our game is. Um, we're getting fans back in the stands now. Like it's starting to feel more normal again. Let's not let's <laughs> let's control things we kind of can control right now and, and enjoy having ballparks filled again. And we're, and, and we're playing baseball again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, it's a it's a lot of politics in the game, uh, Brandon. And and I know you can't comment on it because I'm sure you don't want to get fined and sus- suspended for doing inside the clubhouse on a radio show. So, uh, but, but the real, the reality of it, the reality of it is, is that, um, you know, grandstanding with, uh, umpires, no matter if they've been in the league for 43 years or not, um, uh, trying to get more offense back into the game by, by, uh, punishing pitchers right now for something that most people think hitters and pitchers alike think is important so that they, as you pointed out, can control a baseball and not not hurt hurt somebody or end their career is just ridiculous. So I said it for you there. Uh, I, I don't expect you to comment any further on it. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, Colton, your son, and, and the great opportunity you and he had during your career with the Cubs. And uh, is, is that a, a, a movie for TV or a book down the line about... Um, his experiences as a young kid being around the ballpark in a championship team eventually in 2016 every day. Yeah, he, he rode the wave too. So he was, you know, um, you know, Ricky in 2014 allowed me to bring Colton to you know, spring training. He was in the clubhouse. He was on the field. Uh, he was in the club, you know, he was, he was around that team a lot also. And then he saw, he started to grow up with when 2014 and Javi got there and Jorge Solaire got there and Kyle Hendricks got there. Uh, and he started to be kind of part of the, the fabric of the clubhouse a little bit. And, and then in 15, we got, we got pretty good. And all of a sudden we started getting a little bit older too. We started having some other sons around and Rossi's son would be around and, Miguel Montero's son would be in the clubhouse a little bit. Johnny, Johnny Lester's boys, um, even though Colton was a couple years older than them, they started kind of hanging out. and He got to experience 15, the 15 run. I was explaining some of the other day. Uh, Joe, would have, Joe would have Colton always touch the lineup card before uh, he would sign it to go out to, to home plate. And we were... I think we'd won nine in a row. We were here in Chicago, and if if uh, if we won ten, Joe was gonna. Joe said he'd give him a bunch of money, give him a bunch of money. But we were facing Chris Sale that day. So I, was, <laughs> I didn't think that that was gonna happen. We actually lost. We lost the game. To, I think it was to, to win our tenth in a row. Uh, and Colton was disappointed. Joe wrote him a check. It was like the most classy. You know, Joe's <laughs> the best. <laughs> That's so, great. Um, so Joe's, you know, yeah. So Colton was in the clubhouse for all those fifteen postseason. Um, 16 spring training, 16. This kid missed probably more school than anybody in uh, any kid in, in the United States I love that, that summer I, or that, that spring. I love that part. Um, just because they wanted him around. Joe wanted him around. The team wanted him around. Every time he wasn't at the game, Riz would ask, where's Colton at? And I'd say, he's got to go to class. He's got to go to school at some point. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, so he he was in every postseason celebration. He'd be on the – I have videos on my phone of him, uh, you know, on Riz's shoulders and – 
of douse, you know, Arietta dousing him with champagne and the whole the whole thing, and then just all the way through sixteen too. Okay. So he got to experience more things as a kid, I'm sure that any you know most kids obviously do, and I know he'll look back and later in life and be you know understand how unique and special that time that time was. He was the most he was the most distraught person on the planet when I left Chicago to go to Baltimore. Um, just because he didn't understand why, why we're not, why aren't we doing this anymore? Um, you know, cause it was so fun and, uh, yeah, he just, it was, it was really cool to have him. He's 13 now. Really cool to have him those years, uh, be a part of all that. That's great. Brandon, Brandon, uh, we can't, can't thank you enough for taking some time out. The best of luck to you. I mean that in all the most sincere way. You've been a good friend over the years, and uh, I just wish you and the Orioles nothing but success down the road. So, David and I appreciate you coming on today. Bruce, it's always great to talk to you, and, and thanks for staying in touch with me, and I appreciate always appreciate your guys' support. So, I, thanks a lot. Take care, Brandon. Take care. Brandon Hyde, the Thank Orioles you. manager, former Cubs first base coach and bench coach and member out of that organization. Good touch base with uh, with Brandon Hyde. Yeah, not too many guys come on in the middle of a 10-game losing streak uh, to uh, generally talk the, the game of baseball. I give him a lot of credit, but such a good guy and, a, and an outstanding baseball man. I hope uh, they're able to turn it around there. And before managing two games today at a White Sox doubleheader at Guaranteed Ray Field, that says a lot about uh, his relationship with you and sounds like a you know, he's he's making the best of an, his opportunity, even though the Orioles are struggling. They do have a plan that um, he hopes works out well. So we, we come back, Bruce. We will wrap things up. We'll take a look around the league. A lot of fun stuff going on here on Inside the Clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. Baez bounces one to third, picked by Gonzalez. The long toss, it pulls the man off the bag. And Baez trying to stay in a rundown long enough. And now sliding in the plate is safe. I don't believe this. The Cubs just got a run on an amazing play by Javier Baez. Baez is going to go to second base now as the throw gets away. He slides at second. He's safe. The ball bounces away again. The Cubs have scored an unbelievable run on a play by Baez. Welcome back inside the clubhouse. David Hall with Bruce Devine here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. That was the legendary voice of Pat Hughes describing the indescribable. And that was Javi Baez's rundown between home and first, something that you probably never have seen before in baseball. And, Bruce, given the attention paid it now, you'll never see again because what happened in Pittsburgh, the explanation, everybody's going to know now, right? We know all the uh, great Cub games are on the score. Today at uh, 1245, Zach Sademan uh, gives you the pregame show before Pat and Ron are 120. And, uh, Mark Grody's going to follow us coming up here at 11. But I was listening to them, and they were still describing, trying to describe the play an inning later, okay? Because there were so many intricate things of that play that no one describes baseball better than Pat Hughes. Maybe some as well. There's some great broadcasters out there. But this took everything within his power to be able to describe, and it took a while to do it because there were so many little nuances of this play. I mean, you you watch it now, you still can't believe it, even if you're watching the video of it. 
two things that come, come to mind. Number one, it, as instinctive as it was from Javi Baez, and as much as we could celebrate El Mago doing magical things on the base paths and stealing effectively, abracadabra, there are two runs that appear, and they stole that game. I don't know if it was that outweighed the fact that it was the dumbest defensive play you're ever going to see. Will Craig did something that 100%. was – He just – you can't let happen. You've got to know that if you tag first, if you tag the runner – the run doesn't count. End of story. So, but but Baez energy created yeah. that situation. So that so it's kinetic. You know, it's unbelievable to watch because this. You know, Craig's played baseball for a long time. Even though he's a young player, he knows two outs. You know, the ground ball to me. I step on the bag, and uh, the uh, inning is over. Uh oh, it's Javier Baez. Look what he's doing. He's backing up. Hmm, I think I have to go and look at this closer. I'm going to, oh, oh, wait, the guy's, Contreras is trying to score. I better throw that ball now. I mean, it's all things that will never happen again, probably for another 100 years. But uh, it's created by the uh, improvisation, as uh, Javier Baez put it, uh, and that goes on in his very, very fertile mind of uh, baseball thoughts. It's created by his creativity, and I think yeah. that's the second point to this, is that when we go crazy about David Ross having maybe a different set of rules for Javi Baez when he poses at the plate or doesn't run out something, you don't want to ever condone that. But when he sort of gives him the benefit of the doubt, this is why. This is why. Javi is capable of seeing things that nobody else sees in the game and doing things that nobody else does, and that's the magic of El Mago. And I think that's why you have to give him a little bit more when times where you're kind of go, going crazy and having this conversation, and we've had it in Chicago, we've had it over the years about Javi Baez, but boy, is he worth giving some rope because it's a lot of fun when he does stuff like that. Look, the game of baseball we all know needs the players to be exciting and, uh, and uh, someone that people want to watch. The NBA did it better than anybody in the world over the last 30 years. They created this thing. It's a player's game, and – Major League Baseball is being dragged as slow as it can be, but still being dragged into the modern fans' idea of what they want to see. And these players are starting to supply it. So whether uh, old guys, new guys, new guys, it doesn't matter. Uh, this is the game of baseball, and this is the direction we're going. It's entertainment first. It's not boring in Chicago, Bruce. Not with the Cubs, not with the White Sox. Sox in first, the Cubs chasing the Cardinals. This is a great Memorial Day weekend if you are a baseball fan in our city, both teams in town, and it has been a fun show, Bruce. We've got a lot of people to thank. First and foremost, people can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine and our website, I write Sox and Cubs, 670thescore.com. Every day we do have people to thank, David, including Brandon Hyde, the manager of the Orioles, Brian Tapura part of that great bullpen for the Cubs. David, you and everybody else have a safe and happy Memorial Day weekend. Adam Studzinski, thank you very much for keeping us on the program. And Bruce, you have a great weekend. Everyone else in Chicago, happy Memorial Day weekend. Inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.